Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. Glad you are with us on the program today as we talk about financial matters. Both myself, my co-host Pat here, we're both uh, practicing advisors, spend our weeks with people like yourself and uh, broadcast on the weekend being your financial advisors on the air. We cover all things financial and answer questions and talk about what's happening in the markets and all that kind of stuff. And it's uh, what we do. It is what we do. <laughs> it is what we do. <laughs> and if you want to join the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. And we could schedule a time for you to uh, record with us, 833-99-WORTH. And we're going to hop right into calls. We're in California. Talk with Ron. Ron, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, gentlemen. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, I'm 76, and my wife and I are both retired. Uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, we had uh, approximately $1.5 million in our IRA, which consists of the traditional IRA and Roth. Uh, we have a retirement account of income of about $4,000 a month, uh, 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 Social Security of about $3,500 a month between us. Uh, we own five homes that are paid for. And my question is this. Um, I consider myself fairly conservative in terms of how we orchestrate the allocation and the amount we put into equities. But in today's world, with the significant drop that occurred that I'm frankly not used to, we, as I said, we started the year with $1.5 million. Uh, we're now down to $1.357 million, which is about a 9.5% loss. I guess one question that I have is how does is there a way to give me a gauge as to whether or not just that percentage of loss puts me in a higher uh, risk that I should be or not? And then the second part is the allocation that I have. Uh, are they such that it's reasonable and appropriate? What's, uh, let's start with the we second. Have, uh, yeah, the allocation. Okay. The allocation. Yeah. How, how okay. are these dollars allocated? Uh, we have, okay, the allocations are we currently have 24% in equities. I have it between, in all uh, Vanguard funds, uh, 24,000 balance, 33,000 prime cap, 64,000 total stock, 20,000 U.S. growth, 118 Wellington, 83 inflation-protected securities, 23 in dividend growth, and 250,000 in target income. That's how it's allocated. The remainder uh, is between uh, 25 in uh, uh, bonds and uh, 50% in cash. Okay. Oh, so you've had 50% in cash this year. Correct. Correct. So your portfolio, I, your investments. That's consistent, by the way. Okay. But so you're, you're in, because at first I'm thinking a 9.5% decline on a $1.5 million portfolio. Wait. It wasn't. He said half his half his money's been in cash. Okay, and right. then and bonds and and bonds. So the, your your portfolio was really down nineteen percent. Your investments are are down nineteen percent for the year. Right, but I've been calculating it based upon the total. Uh, though okay. I I suppose that question is one of the issues that I was raising in terms of how that allocation is distributed there between the equity. Well, uh, so, oh God, I got to got it. You've got quite a bit in that target, uh, income, which I don't know what that is. And, and, and $250,000. So if that was a longer bond, I mean, that got beat up. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that so what the, the, the challenge, this, this market cycle, Ron, is not only have the stock have stocks fallen, almost everything's fallen. Right. So, this has right. been the worst year for bonds, I think worse than '94, right? And '94 was uh, a bad year. I'm trying to remember. Anyway, you gotta go. You gotta go back 30 years almost before we had a bad start like we've had in the bond market um, this year, uh, mainly because of, of inflation. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, I mean, at first blush, it doesn't sound. I mean, it, it's not that big of a downturn. Are you yeah, spending any money out of this? I'm sorry. Are you spending any money out of this? 
Other than, you're taking out. We are. The, we, we have the required minimum distributions to take, which we would be taking. And and are you are you spending? And that? I have, and I take that out of the uh, uh, cash side. Are, are you spending that money? Uh, we are. We used it uh, to, for example, uh, like we had a vacation place at Tahoe. We have uh, the houses here in in the Carmichael area, okay. and I used it to. Usually, when I took it out, would pay use it for uh, paying off the properties. I got it. And are the properties all paid off? They are. Okay. So here, here's my view. Of, here's my overall view of the world for for you. Look, look. This the, the reason you've got that big of a of a drop on the portfolio is is because my guess is that Target Income Fund was it's on the longer term. was the longer term, which had more market volatility, and most certainly the equities got hit. You're not going to spend this money in your lifetime. It's not going to get spent. So you should change the way you think about investing. Do you have children? Adult children, yes, which we are thinking in terms of how they're going to inherit. That's primarily the uh, mission to ensure that they have it distributed. We have three children. So, so adults, so, so we should, you should manage this IRA primarily for them, their timeline, not yours. Well, that's kind of why I had them in the, in the funds that I had. You don't have enough equities uh, in this fund. That, and that we could, you know, the 600,000 approximately that's in the, the cash reserves is what I can be spending. And that should last us at least another 10 to 12 years or so. Uh, under, understand, but you've got more than enough in cash reserves. You don't have enough equities in this fund. You should be asking me about inflation right now and how this portfolio will stand but up. But even and, though I'm 76? Yes, of course, <laughs> because you're not going to spend it. It's not for you. It's for your children. You couldn't spend this money if you wanted to. You don't have it in you. You and your wife don't have it in you to spend this money. And that's a good thing, right? You should be managing it for the highest rate of return for the children themselves, inheriting the money. That's the reality. So what would you recommend I change? 50% equities. 50% equities. It's a great time to be buying. 50% equities. And then I would actually pump um, – I would look at the bond portion of the portfolio and – there's something better than cash. I mean, you're better off in treasuries than you are in cash, and you most certainly shouldn't have this $250,000 in this target income if we don't know what the average maturity is. So you can Should buy some— it out now? Oh, yeah. Is now an appropriate time to take it out? Well, it depends what you're going to do with it. If you're going to go to cash with it, don't take it out. But if you're going to go to equities, okay. take it out. What you probably really need, Ron, is to pay an advisor for advice which is going to be more expensive than using a discount brokerage and swinging in the wind. But like right now you look at this, this situation and you're like, there's some, you know, are you gifting to the kids now? Does, does it make sense? There's value in your home. You've got four rental properties, you said. So you start adding this stuff up and you're like, well, I, my guess is that Ron and his spouse are worth somewhere north of, I don't know, four, four to $5 million. Uh, probably about three point eight, as I okay. what I calculate. There we go. I was guessing. Day. I'm just guessing here. It's not my first day. Um, is is that you're not going to spend it all, and that we should be managing this money? And I got to tell you, I personally have a client that we have two different accounts for him. One, his kids are going to inherit, and we uh, we invest that aggressively because he doesn't worry about it. And the other account. He looks at. And if you think, if, look, if you go back to history, since even before the Great Depression, there's never been a 15-year period of time where uh, stocks have not outperformed bonds. They've, over a long period of time, these market cycles come and go, but over a long period of time, you're much higher probability of having a better return by being um, equities. And based upon what you just told us, most of these dollars are not going to be spent in your lifetime. What I'm hearing you say is is that of of the uh, funds that I identified to you, the one that you would throw out, if you will, would be that target income fund. I just don't know anything about it. And then disperse. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it. Keep going. Yes. Keep going. Yes. Okay. I would throw that out. 
Okay. And then, but I wouldn't uh, throw and, it out and buy cash the with others it. others that I have. Well, look, look uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's not how we put build yeah. portfolios, but I mean, yeah, it, 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 you. If you threw that out, it's what would you do with the money? If you're not going to put it in equities and keep it where it's at. Okay. Right? But the reality is you don't have enough equities. You're worried about your account from the beginning of this year to right now. And you don't worry about your real estate because no one sends you a, a value. Well, you can look it up on Zillow, but it really kind of is meaningless. But the odds are there's going to be a season when your real estate's going to fall 9.5%. And would you sell it? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no intention right now. No, I understand. If, if it fell uh, by t- Actually, the way we have it kind of set up is one of the kids will, each one gets one. Okay. And then I figured that the other one point, which is what I always try to maintain, at least the 1.5 million, because they'll be getting uh, about 500,000 each when we're no longer here. That, that's that's all psychological in your head, how you're constructing it right. in it order is. for you yes. to live with it. And that which passes is fine. time by the same, doing the same thing with your 1.5 million. And I'm talking about doing the same thing with the 1.5. Which is, I don't really worry about the value up and down because I know it's for them over the long term. Mm-hmm. So this has got to view the world a little bit differently. But the answer to the question, I would make some changes in the portfolio. Yeah, Appreciate the call, Ron. Let's talk now with Ruth. Ruth, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Ruth. Hi, <laughs> Although Ruth. I think you probably, hi, you probably answered some of my questions. As I listen to others, because I I was kind of um, in a panic, um, mostly because all of our other than our home and cars that are all paid for, um, everything else is pretty much in the market. Okay. And and it's close to um, close to close to um, between different things. You know, um, my my husband's IRA is a little bit over a million. And then I have um, a, I have a, a brokerage account that's right now at three fifty. That's <laughs> today, right? And then um, then there's um, another thirty thirty five thousand in, in little IRA accounts that we started along the way, didn't keep up with. I have um, a four hundred three b that it, it's at three and a half, and and. <laughs> And my husband, he he has to. He has already had to take um, withdrawals from his IRA when he he's over seventy two. That um, that um, he he's just been piling it in the bank. So oh, so you're not spending it. And anyway. do you know when you say it's in the market? Do you know what that like? Is it fifty percent stocks or fifty percent bonds? How much are in stocks? How much are in stocks? Now, bonds have done poorly this year. <laughs> But not so, nearly so, as poorly so, as stocks. So that three fifty k is all stocks, and it's all pretty much in more growth, more aggressive. Okay. And and my and and, and of course, see, I'm we are retired. I'm now over sixty five, but I've been retired for ten years. Um, years ago, I called you, and so I bought airtime. I was teaching. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good. And how about the the million the million dollar retirement account? How is that allocated? So I I think they pulled back maybe about twenty percent of it into something else because he doesn't get quite the ups and downs that I do. But they haven't. It's not a fifty fifty by any means. You think it's more conservative than that? And and and. Huh? You think it's more conservative than fifty? No, no. I think it's less conservative than that. I would say it's it's at least eighty. Okay. Seventy to eighty in stock. But and then in in the argument is we don't need all the money tomorrow, right? Yeah. And overall, I can tell you that um, your portfolio may be more aggressive than it might need to be. But if you're not spending the money and you don't need to take the income, even taking the required minimum distributions, your husband's not spending the money. You said he just puts it in the bank. Um, an aggressive portfolio right. may be 100% appropriate if you're managing it for your heirs, uh, especially if they're your, your children, because that's what is going to do the best over a long period of time. 
is. Yeah, I just I kind of look at at that. I mean, this was inheritance from twenty plus years ago. That was by no means what it is now, and that's despite the fact that you know I treated myself to a luxury car out there uh-huh. and um, things like that. <laughs> so you've seen you know? it grow over twenty so, years, right? Um, You've watched it grow. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, oh, yeah. So this, this is just, so, this so that's is the natural. Even with this, just to kind of like write it out. That's right. I think you, you should. Know. That's but then right. I'll hear something like, okay, because I'll hear something like some, Rob, somebody was talking to that Robert Karasaki or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I'm like, oh my God, maybe it's all going to crash. Well, what did he want I you to buy? His books. What did he want you to huh? buy? Oh, he. He didn't want, he just, he was talking about, um, he didn't say go buy anything. He's the he guy was that. talking on he's, Mike Rose's podcast. I know, but he, look, but, we all have our opinions. I have an opinion. He has an opinion. Scott has an opinion. Our opinion's much more mainstream, I'll tell you that. Much. That is right. And he was hype, hyping <laughs> right, the heck right. out of real estate. Right before the. Before it all blew up. And we weren't hyping it. All investments are based on timelines. All investments. Well, investments. Scams like cryptocurrency, Ponzi schemes, timelines don't matter with those, right? All investments right. are based on timelines, and your timeline is long. So the more volatility that you're willing to put up with, the higher the risk premium that you will get on the investment. Keep it, leave it alone. Right. Leave it alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. You've already lived through the cycles, yeah. Ruth. You, I know how they work. And, and, I, and I did call... Um, cryptocurrency. Uh, I saw that. Scheme. I almost you, you call it a scam. It is a hundred percent scam. <laughs> I almost called you, and it may or may not be a scam, but I don't. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I kind of know, but <laughs> you understand how it works. I understand how it works. I don't understand the appeal. Okay, do not understand the appeal. I had a conversation with a guy the other day. He was telling me, he goes, well, the good thing about Bitcoin is they can only produce so many. And I said, how do you know? That's what he's been told. He said, because it's on the blockchain. I said, so you have 100% visibility of all blockchain uh, transactions. And somehow you know that there is no way that people could sneak more stuff onto this blockchain. <laughs> and it's highly regulated. So the event somebody does, you're going to be, uh, you can be confident that the um, crypto police will regulate. Yeah, it. and some some crypto exchanges want it to be regulated, and some don't, and some don't. Yeah. So Scott, before we go back to the calls, um, I wanted to take a minute and talk about the retirement planning. We just put this up on our website, um, allworthfinancial.com. In our retirement resources tab, the retirement planning checklist. So um, this is just a basic list of things. Whether you use a financial advisor, whether you use us, whether you use someone else, these are things that you should, basics. Just Well, maybe a little more than basics. Okay. I just, <laughs> okay. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them the, the, the it's a necessities. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna. I stand corrected. So the first, regardless of your age, try to re- get some retirement goals. Right? What? What? What do you? You know, what age? What amount of money? What kind of income? Look at your current financial situation. What's your debt? What's your assets like? Um, what's your asset allocation mix? Determine your re- retirement income needs. How much you're going to need in retirement? Uh, estate planning. In fact, I got a. T- I got an email from a friend. Um, just this week, um, I had lunch with him six months ago, and he said, I, I've never done a trust. And I'm like, call these three attorneys. And he sent me an email, said, hey, thanks for the reminder. We did it. Um, we're happy we finally went through it. You need to know whether you're saving enough. Just go to our website, allworthfinancial.com, and then click on the tab on the retirement resources, and you can download it for free. And with that, let's go to Southern California. Talk with Roger. Roger with Allworth Money Matters. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. Great. What can we, what can okay. we do for so, you today? I have a friend who has uh, had $1.8 million in his uh, retirement account. He retired this year. Um, he's now down to $1.4 million, and he is just worried sick. Uh, and so his portfolio is exactly 60-40 stocks, bonds. 
mm-hmm. and both of them have gone down. Uh, his uh, he's got a uh, a mortgage on his house that is fifty five hundred a month, and a car loan that is five hundred a month. So it's about six thousand every month that is going to be coming out. Uh, and I'm I'm suggesting that he take the uh, uh, the some of the forty percent. Can, can, can we back of, up? Can we back his, up? Uh, bond. Sure. What sure. what relationship is this friend to you? That you're his advisor. Um, I've known him for a dozen years. I'm I'm known for a dozen years. Um, I have never uh, worked for a financial company, but I'm a certified financial planner. I don't sell any products. I just got it. Them, got uh, it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Got that, it, gives got it. That, that gives us <laughs> some context. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. is he the money in said, I, I, are the money in IRAs or outside of IRAs? It is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's all, all, all IRAs. Yeah. Does he have any money yeah. outside of IRAs? Yes. He doesn't really have any money outside of IRAs. And what's the mortgage balance? And uh, a million, 1.1 million. Is what he owes on the mortgage. How old is he? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How old? Uh, 65. 65. And what was your idea? And my idea was to take the uh, f- the 40% he has in bonds, take 20% of it and put it into cash so that he'll be able to make his payments on his mortgage uh, without affecting his uh, – the stocks are going to be going up and down. So was he um, – just to – so with the portfolio being down 22% overall, which is exact yep. – it's as of the date of this call anyway, is almost exactly what the – S&P was down. So was he more heavily weighted in some of these tech companies or because the bond portion, no, or was he really he, long he on the has, bonds? He, he has a, a, a broker who is handling this for him. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, I can say the name. Well, of the that's irrelevant. No, that's but, irrelevant. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So, and they're putting in, they have, they have been 35 different mutual funds in the FTs. And, uh, and when I talked to them, they said uh, that pretty much they've been doing this for 20 years, and uh, this is the best course to put them into 25 different mutual funds. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, he's, he's better off just going into about five or six different uh, index funds, uh, not paying the fee, because he's paying $1,500 a month in fees to these guys. Um, uh, and he so has he absolutely was- no... So he was at he was at he was at one point one percent at one point eight million. It's a little bit high on this uh, yep. size of an account. Um, but why would you go to cash at this point as opposed to with rates higher? And because what? he needs to he needs to come out with eight thousand dollars uh, six thousand dollars a month. That's his understand. So draw that amount. So every putting month. putting twenty percent of the one point four million dollars in cash. What you're doing is you're putting a psychological Band-Aid on it for a short period of time. Putting, a, putting it in a bucket, yeah. Putting a bucket so he doesn't have to worry about— How long about, has he worked with oh, this advisor? What if, two years. I mean, here's the challenge. Like, I'm just being real transparent. One of the challenges you're going to put him in is now he's going to go back to his advisor and say, I, I, I want you to do it this way instead of that way. And the advisor's going to look at him like, "It can't. Okay. we can't do it both. I mean— <laughs> You hire me for my a, right. opinion, and so you would you would yeah. be advising that he moves away from this advisor and just follows your advice on the allocation. So, so yeah, that's right, and and I looked at what his advisor has done, the portfolio he has, and I've compared it to just a market index, uh, the Fidelity Zero Cost Index. It puts it into fifteen um, percent or national and twenty uh, percent uh, total market and. Uh, Fifteen uh, percent uh, uh, growth stocks um, and twenty percent uh, bond fund, short-term, short-term treasury bond fund. Then he would have uh, been up about. He would have only lost about a hundred thousand. I mean, it was yeah. Well, it, obviously, it well, the, the, so it's hard to understand how he was down so much when he was a sixty forty portfolio, unless he was heavily weighted um, equity. Uh, the tech side of the equities. Aggressive. But you can still be, assume he'd be down 15, 16. Yeah, but then unless you went really long on the bonds. So my recommendation to you is either get him to get a new advisor. Or you're it. Or you're it. Yeah, and what do you think about putting uh, 10% in cash? So that he well, that'd be fine. That's not what we do. 
that, that, that if that's if that's what you want to do if you're it. But we, going back to the existing advisor yeah. and saying I'm going to take your opinion, but not really. Um, you're going to get in between these two people constantly. So either have them get a new advisor, you be the new advisor. That, that that's where I'd go with this. Yeah. So appreciate the call, Roger. Taking a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Scott Hansen and Bat McLean. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Uh, you know, it's um, the financial planning process, Pat. <clears throat> I think sometimes when people think about a financial advisor, they think of someone who's selling investments or whatever, right? Like, that's like, what kind of investments do you right. do? Right. <laughs> well, what kind do you want? <laughs> we have, you know, ESG, yeah. environmental, oh, social you governance. To, you wanted to. High rate of return, and low, low, low risk. Yeah, you should have told me that earlier. <laughs> anyway, but the the tax component of financial planning is huge, right? Because our tax rate can be anywhere from zero to almost forty percent federal plus state. If your state taxes you, and what what you do with a, a particular asset, right? If you gift it to charity or I remember early in my career, a uh, they were in their mid-80s. They were parents of existing clients. So mine came in and they had, oh, I don't know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. And half of it was in Ralston Perina stock. Half of it. And they said, Is this too much in Ralston Perina stock? And I said, Would you buy three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of Ralston Perina today? And they said, No. We would not. And I said, but we're not going to sell it. And they said, why? And they said, well, your cost basis, the tax you would incur is huge. Um, and by the way, the reality is if one of you passes away, all that gain goes away and we will sell it the day after. And I thought to myself, that's a tough conversation to tell someone is that. We're going to wait until you're dead. Till you're dead. Yeah. And then we'll get the perfect portfolio. <laughs> Right, yeah, that is good. It's a, you <laughs> yeah. know, so you enter it lightly, and then we're, but we're going to build a portfolio that that around what you already have, and now it's even easier. This was twenty years ago, but net with direct indexing and that sort of thing. But that is where you know, if you were only viewing it through the prism of the investments or the financial planning, you would have sold the Ralston Purina stock, right? And that's where, and if they were in their fifties or sixties or seventies, I, I would have put up together a multi-year plan in order to reduce their exposure there, right? But that's you know a perfect example. Well, I think it's perfect because it was an example I gave of how tax planning, investment planning, and actually financial planning all, all fit together. Yes, which is so. Today we're going to have Michael Mariski join us. Michael Mariski heads up our tax division at Allworth. Um, where we do not only tax returns for the clients that would uh, like that, but we also, it's the tax planning that we do with them. So a financial advisor will often involve someone on our tax, all worth tax in the financial planning process for more, uh, let's just say um, complicated tax situation in a financial plan. Yeah. So Michael, welcome to all worth money matters. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. First of all, how many? How significant have the tax changes been the last three, four years? Uh, I mean, they're always changing. So, I mean, I would say I would say significant. You know, whether it's just federal or you know, many states uh, don't follow federal and they do, they do their own thing, right? So it makes it even more challenging sometimes, depending on which state you're in. You may have significant differences from the federal rules. And it seems like you know Pat and I were just talking before we brought you on that uh, how why the tax plan is so integral to overall financial planning, but it seems like it's 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 overlooked most of the time. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Being a tax professional. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I, I think there's a number of. Uh, People out there that prepare their own tax returns, you know, they may even be managing their own uh, investments, right? And so you, you kind of only know what you know. You know, if you don't uh, live and breathe the tax rules, you know, as, as a CPA, I've got to do 40 hours of continuing education every year. So, you know, we're always staying up with the rule changes. And I think, again, if you don't really 
do this kind of full time, there's just so many things that you could miss. And, and if you haven't been trained on it, uh, there's so many differences with the character of income, whether it's considered ordinary and you've got capital gains, but then which tax rate comes first? Is it ordinary? Is it capital gains? I mean, there's just, there's ordering rules. And so, uh, you know, the list goes on and on of um, what you really need to know. It's funny. I remember back in, uh, in undergrad, I had a class, a tax class. It was a, it was for financial planning, I think, though. But it was a tax. Maybe it was just a – it was an income tax class. And our final was an income tax return, a fairly complex income tax return. And the professor said there will be no two tax returns that look the same. Mm-hmm. And he said there will be a handful of you that you're going to get A's and some other – like, and that's on the that, – I just remember thinking, like, this is our tax code. It's so complicated that we spend a whole semester learning it, and you can't get two students to come up with the same tax return. I think it's the same way today. I mean, even with the advances in the tax software, you could have five or ten, whether they're CPAs, enrolled agents, you know, um, any tax preparers, you could have ten of them work on a, a you know, a, a simple but somewhat complex tax return, and you'd come out with 10, 10 different um, results. <laughs> That's amazing. It's crazy. And then the ultimate <laughs> arbiter of this is if you go into audit, the IRS gets to decide whether you did it that, right that, or not. That individual auditor, I suppose, that, right? That's right. That individual auditor, yeah. not the IRS, just that person. So when the auditor yeah. calls you, well, they'll send you a letter first. Be First of all, bring representation um, when you go into an audit, regardless of how small, and be very, very nice to the auditor. <laughs> yeah, we always recommend that. You know, it's 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 one thing to maybe self-prepare your own tax return or or use TurboTax, which kind of helps guide you through it. But it's another thing to understand the rules and try to, you know, challenge or argue with, uh, you know, an IRS agent. And Mike, Michael, you, yeah, you, you should always get help. You you often state that it's important for investors to always have in the back of their mind taxes throughout the year. Why is that? Well, you know, when you when you prepare your tax return, you know, that's kind of uh, something that happened, you know, a, a year ago. You're working on your tax return in March. Well, it's it's a reaction to what happened the year before. And so you're you're now in the current year. And if you don't think about things that are happening, whether it's market related, whether there's a tax law change that happened, you're not aware of. There's a life event. You're retiring. Um, looking at taking Social Security, what does that now mean uh, for your income? There's just so many things that go into, uh, you know, taxes and, and your tax return that if you're really not thinking about it all the time, you can you can miss something and you can make a mistake. And that's kind of why we we kind of push, you know, tax plan year round, right? Um, prepare a plan, revisit it later in the year. Um, you just don't want a, a, a big negative surprise you know, the following year. So, so when you do someone's tax return, basically you're looking to see, did they follow the tax plan that they instituted the year before tax preparation? If and they tax have plan. any plan. Well, yep. With our clients. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. There's a, there's a difference between tax preparation and tax planning. Yes. Yeah. So t- yes. Uh, with the markets being very volatile this year and, and things quite a, most investments are underwater for the year. Um, it's, it's a, it could be a good opportunity for people to take advantage of some tax loss harvesting. Can you explain how that works and what, you know, how people need to be careful by doing when they, when they do some tax loss harvesting? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, done in the context of rebalancing your portfolio, but basically you look at investments that might be in a loss uh, position. And if you want to sell those investments and kind of capture that loss, if you ended up with only losses from your uh, from your sales, you're you're limited to three thousand dollars a year uh, on an income tax return. But those losses could first be offset by other capital gains. And so, when you're kind of looking at rebalancing the portfolio, they call it tax loss harvesting. You might sell some investments that are down, but then also look for some that you know still have gains. Maybe um, you've held on to an investment for a long time. Uh, you've got a really low basis. Might be a perfect opportunity to capture some of those gains and offset it with with the losses, and then um, kind of rebalance your portfolio. And and the one kind of gotcha that you have to look out for is uh, what's called the the wash sale rule. You're not supposed to buy 
the same investment or something very similar within 30 days before or after uh, you sell that investment. So there are ways to kind of get around that and buy something similar, but you, but you have to be very careful. But it's, and that's another – go ahead. But, Michael, it's somewhat similar. Yes. Right? Not very right. similar. Yes. It can't be the same. Yes. It that's can right. be – you know, and what that number is – But you could sell Bitcoin right now, for an example, and buy another – Digital yeah. digital coin, yeah, like uh, some some yeah, I, that's a terrible example, Scott. Well, I'm just thinking of something that's down. <laughs> okay, okay, a great deal right now. Y- yes, yes, because <laughs> but the reason is, if you sold the Bitcoin, you should probably just take the loss, eh, and right, right, not maybe. buy something to offset the position. <laughs> but but you can. What is the correlation? So if you can, you can buy something that's like ninety percent correlated, or does anyone even know that? Like no if I sold that. the S&P 500, could I buy the S&P 450 and that would be acceptable? <laughs> uh, I think it depends on which uh, auditor should. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you don't want to sell uh, State Street's S&P 500 and turn around and buy Schwab's S&P 500. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, but but I, could sell, I could sell the S&P 500 and buy the total market, which is a large component of the S&P 500 is in the total market. And that would be considered um, a – it would be allowed by the IRS. Right. So it's so. very yeah. similar, but not yeah. the same. Well, hey, Michael, I, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, I think this uh, tax loss harvesting is something that people to be looking at. So appreciate it. I appreciate all you do for all worth and our clients. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Michael. Michael. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I, it's so nice having a team of CPAs to work oh. with our advisors on an ongoing basis. It, it is. I don't know how firms can do it without. I mean, really. How do they do the right kind of planning with their clients? Yeah, especially the more complex it gets. Anyway, let's hit the phones here. Let's go to Colorado and talk with Robert. Robert, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. Appreciate you both taking uh, my question. Yeah. Um, wanted to know if uh, what you think about a fixed income universal life insurance, if that's a good tool to have in a uh, retirement portfolio. And if so, what kind of pitfalls should we look for? Are you talking about uh, buying in an existing policy that's on someone else's life for an investment? Or are you talking about taking out a life insurance policy on yourself for the purpose of saving for retirement? Uh, it's uh, uh, the second one, uh, life insurance policy on myself. We're working with a, a financial uh, company on the uh, on the particulars. And how old are you? I'm 57. And do you have any children or are you supporting anyone financially? Um, nope. My wife and I are retired. I'm 57. She's 58. Our sons are uh, both grown adults. Um, we have a monthly income of 9200 That's a pension. That's on me. And uh, we do not have any survivor's benefits. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I keep thinking, where's, right. I'm like, where's, where are we going with this? Oh, yeah. So tell us about the other assets of the family. So what other assets do you own a home? Yes, we, we have no debt and the mortgage is paid off. And what is the value of the home? 900000 And how much do you have any money in 401ks or IRAs? Yeah, about $1.4 in investments. And any other life insurance out there? I do have a $1 million in term life insurance that goes away when I turn 70. And are you going, are you going back to work? Uh, not planning on it. <laughs> um, and why did you take a single life only um, pension option? Um, well, at the time when I retired from uh, the military. Okay, that's uh, yeah. I, yeah, uh, we thought we could invest the money uh, instead of having our, our the pension reduced. We could we thought we could invest the money and make better returns. And did you? We're well, still oh, yeah, alive. Been, yeah, <laughs> still so alive. that would have yeah. changed if you did. Yeah. I mean, that's what. So I think of that as pure life insurance, right? When you 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 someone goes to retire with a pension, they have the option of taking it just on their life or a reduced amount, which is taking some monthly income. To, to, re, to replace that pension or to continue that pension when someone passes away. And you said that you have a million dollars in term life insurance that's guaranteed till age 70? Correct. When I turn 70, it, it, uh, I think I can renew it, but I think the oh, yeah, it'll be cost pretty expensive. So yeah. what you're really, what you're really um, 
looking at here is is using this life insurance to protect your pension. Does your wife, will your wife, will your spouse receive a pension? No, she doesn't have uh, a pension, and so it would only be Social Security and then obviously the investments. And so just trying to look at a, at a way that, um, uh, you know, if I were to die in the next couple yep. of years, the yep. one million yep. would go pretty fast, yep. and yep. then Social Security is not enough. And then so the question is, uh, is our, you know, the 401k or uh, retirement money enough? Um, and so just the different scenarios that were run by yep. the financial person, it really isn't, especially if she lives into her 80s. So. Yep, yep, I totally agree. And it's funny because uh, I think if you've listened to this program for the last five years, you might you could count on one hand the number of times we've recommended permanent life insurance. <laughs> uh, but this is a situation, whether it's universe, a, a guaranteed universal life or a guaranteed whole life. And it might be that you do a combination of of uh, maybe you maybe you plan on keeping your term until age seventy, because the older you get, the less life insurance you're going to need. Because the, the, the what you're trying to do is to just have enough to get to the very end. You know, you're going to die eventually. Your wife's going to die eventually. Yeah. So the idea is to buy as little as you possibly need. So my guess is that you're going to need some. Would I buy universal? What do you call it? UIL. It's a fixed index universal life insurance. I wouldn't be buying an index universal policy. I'd be probably buying a variable universal life policy um, without any sort of guarantees in it. And the really the reason behind that is because that index it's indexed to a underlying index yeah, like and then it has index, some right. downside protection yeah, I mean, in it but you don't really care about the downside protection you you're buying it for the face value um and overall you know cuz you get to 80 or 90 and you can start reducing the face value on it um you need you need life insurance i i i don't know if i would i, I would do a lot of exploration about what type of life insurance and quite frankly I would buy, I, I know what I would buy, I'd buy a variable universal life and I'd actually probably uh, in my portfolio uh, that you have that $1.4 million in investments, I would take some of that and lump sum it over um, or uh, take some distributions from the IRA over periods of years and put it inside that life insurance contract in order to fund it. But yeah, that's basically yeah. what they're recommending is uh, five years of premium outlays for $1.2 million. Um, so we'd pay it this year. We'd pay it with uh, with uh, other monies. But then next year when our wife turns 59 and a half, we would start taking from her traditional. Uh, I think we like everything about it except for the Pat says and Pat's, Pat's opinion is rather than having this index, equity index, Forget that garbage. That's just the insurance company doing some of their own things in the background where you're going to pay a cost by using some hedging techniques. Pat says, why don't you just buy a variable universal life where you actually own um, securities as opposed to just giving the insurance company the money? You're taking on, a, taking on a some little of the risk, risk yourself. But, but you are already. In, yeah, and I wouldn't. And quite frankly, that sounds like too much life insurance to me because you've already got a million dollars a term. So I'd keep that million dollars a term in place. And I'd probably mm -hmm. buy, you know, are you going to receive Social Security yourself or just your spouse? Uh, we both will get okay. Social Security. I'm guessing. But I'd also look at what the cost of that term is versus what it's going to be in the universal life. To age 70. It's it's gonna. How much are you paying for the term insurance? You know what, Scott and yeah. I could argue about this all day long. You got. If I was it. sitting down in, if you were sitting down in my an office with myself or one of our advisors, my guess is you'd end up. The recommendation would be a low cost variable universal life with probably my guess is anywhere between one and one point five million dollars of face value on it. I wouldn't be chunking it over as fast as as they recommended at fifty nine and a half, just because of how it's going to drive you into a higher marginal tax tax rate, right? Because when the money comes out of the IRA, you have to pay taxes on it. And then it goes yeah. into the life insurance policy. You can't put that life insurance policy in the IRA. Right. No, I understand. Okay. Yeah. So I, you've yeah, got about 2,500 a year now for the, for the term. See, that's dirt cheap. 
That's yeah, tur- particularly particularly when you're 68, 69, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't cancel that term. Did they recommend c- canceling the term policy? No, no, okay. no. They yeah. did not recommend that. Yeah, yeah it sounds like, like it sounds like you're doing all the right things. I think we're kind of. My, my guess, if you talk to ten different advisors, you're going to get ten slightly different. But things. he's talking to to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look at the well, variable I, universal I'm life in a in a face value of one point five million. All right, but uh, pre- appreciate the call. But they pretend like Robert's your brother. You're, how old are you? You're just going to say you're twenty nine. Okay, so fifty. He's my younger. He's brother. your younger brother, uh, Robert. He comes to you and says, "This is what I'm doing. I've had this. Adv- I work with this advisor. This is what they're helping me out with." You would probably say, here's, here's kind of how I would do it, but you're probably just fine going with the program you're going. Would you not? Mm, I wouldn't buy the universal index life insurance. Okay. I would, I would, I would absolutely go to the variable life insurance policy. Um, but everything else, I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. It just sounds like way too much life insurance. They're going to chunk out this whole $1.4 million to buy it? Come on, Scott. I think, I think that they just looked at that thing and the guy, he's got $1.4 million of investments. We should get it all over there. I'm saying don't uh, use all fair, of it. Fair, 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 fair. Don't use all of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad to see Because the, he might not need it his whole life. That's his right. wife might, might predecease him, and That's then he right. no longer has the need for it. Yeah, and he's got term until age 70. But yeah. we have beat that life insurance worse still. It is dead, <laughs> dead, dead. And we're in Georgia talking to Mylin. My linear with Allworth. Hi, Pat and Scott. This is, um, it, it, you know, I'm thrilled to to be able to talk, to talk with you today, and you. Um, you know, really uh, happy to hear a lot of women calling um, with questions on the show today. Um, my question relates to health savings accounts. Okay. Um, you know, this is something that I've kind of participated in 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 the more recent years, and um, you know. It has accumulated a little bit, I guess, um, and I presently have actually kind of recently moved organizations. You know how a lot of people change jobs uh-huh. during the COVID pandemic. And so with my last employer, um, you know, I had an HSA, and then now with my new employer, I also have one. And so my question is, because, you know, um, you talk about rollovers, of 401ks and things like that. The question for me is, you know, I'm relatively, you know, younger, um, still have, you know, many working years. Um, The question is, you know, just trying to manage all of your accounts and things like that. Is there a benefit to rolling over the HSA to your new employer? And what are the considerations um, that we should you know, take into account. Are you investing it? You know, I thought I could ask you. Are you investing yep. it? Yeah. So, yeah, it's mostly um, index funds. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's been an accumulation. It hasn't been that long, but um, it's about 40K. Uh-huh. And you're paying for your uh, deductibles or, or ex- uh, medical expenses out of pocket, and you're allowing the HSA to roll forward, I assume. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been doing. That's what I've done for years. And I finally convince was able to get, convince my wife that we should do this. It took me. It, I've only been married for thirty six years. I'm but amazed how much I've got in my account at this point because I've just saved it all over the years. Wow. Um, and and so I I think your uh, think your thought process is one hundred percent accurate. Like, just take the the plan from your previous employer. Rolled into the new HSA. If, because if, now if you said your current employer doesn't offer an investment options, then I'd say go use some third party because almost all the large investment companies okay. offer an HSA. And it's not like it, it's it's not like an IRA where you've got more limitations. Well, there's still some limitations on it, but it's yeah, it, it's but, simple. Yeah, it is simple. It's really it's easy. Okay. Um, and actually, there's been a consolidation in some of those investment firms that do the HSA uh, investments on the back end, too. Right. So you could just leave it where you're at if you want, or you could roll it into the new one. The reason you'd roll it into the new one is, is it's just easier, easier. to track, yeah. especially if something were to happen yeah, to you yeah. personally. Okay. So then, um, so then it probably – and can I just clarify, too, is it actually rolling it over or just Just transferring. transferring. You're just transferring it. it. 
It's just a transfer. Okay. Okay. And the, here's and, the irony um, is my own employer offers a HSA, which I participate in, but there's no, inve- mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no investment options in our own. <laughs> no, there is. In the HSA? Yeah. The, 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 we came out with a new plan like six months ago. Oh. We didn't used to. I haven't looked. <laughs> we didn't you. used oh, to. Oh, it's actually the same one that you use. Uh, oh. It's the same one you use. You recommended it to me. And then we you came out with somebody. a, no, 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 no. I didn't talk to anyone at HR. They came out with a new plan and I looked at the new plan. I'm like, oh, this is exactly the one Scott recommended. So you probably didn't enroll through the new plan, Shoot. but it's the same identical one, Scott. So historically what I've done is that as the balance would build up after a few years, I would transfer it to get it invested. Okay. And yeah. I'm about, th- I'm behind on my transfer. And when this call reminded me that, Gobbler's kids go barefoot. Uh, uh, anyway, we're trying to be here for the callers and not the employee <laughs> benefits at all. So did you have any more questions for us, Myla? No, that, that's really it. And I thank you so much for, right. you know, for your um, advice. Thank oh, you. Thank Appreciate you, Myla. And Pat, my point there was there are other listeners that might be in the same position where their employer maybe currently offers investment options, but they're unaware. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But if they don't offer investment options, there are third-party companies you can transfer that balance to. Um, And you could transfer it once or twice a year, and you could invest it any way you wish. Yeah. Um, But, Scott, you did – I've been – finally my wife's like, hey – and then when it came out as an employer plan, part of the employer plan that you can invest, she goes, oh, this makes, this makes <laughs> she, sense. So she pays attention to the benefits? Yes. <laughs> That's all the time we have. This has been Scott Hanson, Pat McLean, Allworth's Money Matters. See you later. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.